What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we're covering everything going on in the Stacks ecosystem. I'm your host, Jake. You'll see me around as Jake Blockchain on the interwebs. And uh, yeah, today we have another of this Stacks Grant series videos, where I've been interviewing past grant recipients or just talking to people in that ecosystem and trying to get people to apply to more grants because uh, the foundation is doing fantastic work trying to foster adoption of stacks, support people that are building. And so I'm trying to help you guys become more aware of some of the things that they offer and what people have built and how the process was because it's not as scary as some people might think it is like I thought it was initially. So with that said, today... We have uh, two wonderful people from the foundation, Jenny and Will. Uh, they are the grants program manager and ecosystems development lead. And yeah, they have a ton of changes coming to the grants program. They're going to onboard some new roles to help uh, going forward on how grants get approved, fostered, uh a bunch. There's, there's a ton going on. So I don't want to give too much in this intro. We cover a ton in this talk. And uh, yeah, so let's just jump into it with this conversation with Will and Jenny from the Stacks Foundation. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Will and Jenny, pleasure to have you guys here. I'm super excited for this one. Crypto's been falling off a cliff lately, and some people are freaking the F out, and others just kind of being heads down building. How are you guys feeling in this kind of like crazy time right now? Maybe we could start with you, Jenny. Um, I feel fine. I didn't even know it was happening. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> I know it's happening. Um, it's just never been my thing to care that much about how the market, I mean, obviously I'm excited when I see stacks in all time high, but that's for obvious reasons. I think, um, I think I've been trained well to ignore market trends and to, to keep building, um, because other it's already, it's already so busy and exciting building with people. I don't want to add the stress of caring about the market too. That makes any sense. It's a very simple reason. I'm just like, Oh, I just don't, I just try not to care about that stuff. Yeah. What about, what about you, Will? Yeah, I suppose I'm on that side too. I don't. I don't really think about it. I mean, of course, I, I look at it and it, it gets to me. But uh, really, it's just about like keeping building. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like having gone through in my professional life, like gone through 9/11, gone through the 2008 crash. Sometimes you know when it's like like really bad and then there's just other times when it's kind of bad and um you just got to keep working then otherwise you're going to be really in a bad position if you if you let it get to you and you just stop moving forward yeah i know i can't i can't tell if it's like being blessed to work in stacks where like the builder ethos is so strong and i'm just like I'm unfazed at all by it. Like, I'm just going to keep doing this podcast and talking to cool people and just as what it is. Like, it, it hasn't changed at one iota, but I see my timeline and I'm like, okay, that person's going off a cliff. That person's crying. Like, it's just like, <laughs> there's all kinds of different different variables. I just, I just want to get a pulse on it. So that's, it's cool that we're all kind of on the same page. 
we seem to have so much more analytics, you know, at our grasp. And so you can, you can really, uh, you know, doom scroll through a bunch of charts and, you know, convince yourself that things are, are really getting ugly. And, you know, I mean, there's, you know, some very concerning market conditions going on at a macro level. And, you know, I think just coming out of COVID in general, uh, or like coming through COVID, but yeah, it's, it's beyond my control. So I I really can't do anything about it. hundred percent. Okay. Well, curious because lots of people know you, you guys are like kind of staples in the ecosystem. Oh, thank you. (laughs) For, for sure. That's, that's putting it lightly. But I'm curious about a little bit of you guys' background before you got into crypto. What what did you guys do before you landed here? I want to start with Jenny because I don't even know this, this oh. story. <laughs> here we go. Details. I don't think that there was life before this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think like a lot of people in crypto, I obviously didn't study this, didn't really work in this for a long time before landing in this. In college and grad school, I studied philosophy and public policy. I was going to go into academia. I thought about getting my PhD in philosophy, which is really not where I'm going now, (laughs) really not what I'm doing now. And before the Stacks Foundation, I I worked for Blockstack, which is now Hero Systems. And before that, I worked at a coding bootcamp called Codesmith. So that was actually, that was like my first sort of foray into tech. And it was a really good like soft intro to tech because I was working with people who were learning software engineering. So I, I got a lot of time to get ramped up. You know, within a matter of months, I wasn't really afraid of of talking about technical things. Not that it was not that I was afraid before, but it is intimidating. If you don't have a technical background, suddenly people are talking about programming languages. It's just, it just sounds like they're they're listing off a bunch of rocket parts (laughs) in like the first month. But um, that really gave me a lot of confidence in tech in general. And I think through that, seeing all the different places that software engineers could work made me realize how much I wanted to work in in emerging tech. So I was interested in AI, did a little bit of learning on my own with deep learning, but was also interested in blockchain. And I think that I, I moved away from the AI sort of sector because the barriers to entry are so high. Whereas when you look at like the blockchain industry and crypto, it was so much more accessible. It was friendlier. To be honest, a lot of the podcasts I listened to early early in um, my time of researching, there were a lot of women on the podcast. So it was it felt like a more promising opportunity for me. So I just did a lot of reading. And at that time, this was 2017, so it wasn't that long ago. But at that time, the content out there was so shitty too. So I had to like really, really dig. Um, so I feel like I I put in some work uh, to to at least get a fundamental understanding. And uh, I applied to Blockstack, and and the rest is history. Yeah, I guess also came at this from a point of view where it was I was not trained to to be in this world. I was involved in architecture for twenty years, and I've had a chance to sort of. Throughout that period of time, I was practicing architecture in a lot of different ways on you know different points of that landscape. So at one point I was doing like advanced digital design at like a large multinational firm. That's where I started programming and got really into interoperability and advanced modeling and simulation. It was in the lead up to the 08 crash, and there was this kind of like arms race between the different firms in terms of like what services they could provide and we almost had this like startup within this large uh, firm 
called SOM. They did like the Freedom Tower and Sears Tower and stuff like that. So I got all work on a lot of really cool buildings, but I was sort of felt disconnected from being an architect and doing, you know, there's so like sort of this like capital A architect where you're like more in this well-rounded traditional sense, I suppose. And I wanted to go in and do that. So I actually got into design build back in New York. And that's where you're simultaneously the construction manager and the architect on the same project. So I spent a lot of time on job sites and working with a lot of different trades and being able to talk to a lot of different audiences on the same day about the same thing in very different ways. And so, yeah, I mean, architecture is like 50% designing buildings and 50% designing the documents that communicate those buildings to people, you know, whether it be like a spreadsheet or a set of construction drawings or a virtual uh, reality model, like an immersive model. So you know, you, you get to experience a lot of different mediums and, you know, you're just always iterating and always trying to refine ideas and facilitating the creative process. And that's what I loved. I knew that I wanted to get into tech because my partner, she's a front-end engineer at Hero, actually, and she used to be an architect and went through a, a similar transition where, you know, I, I guess that, like, the the more contemporary ways of getting work done is aligned with a lot of people in architecture where they come from like a very computer-centric world the way that they learn but then you kind of smash that up against the construction industry which is like still using fax machines and scribbling on drywall to like put together a home depot run order or something like that and so there's a lot of friction there. And so at one point in time, you know, she just wanted to cut that free and get into technology. And I've just been learning vicariously, like through her process. And then she came across this lecture by Munib. And we both kind of went down the rabbit hole together of falling in love with stacks, orange filling on, on Bitcoin. And then that really just kind of like philosophical shift in the way that you think about like value and money and your time. I just had to walk away from architecture. And luckily I came across this great job post on Twitter that Brittany put up originally and then had my first interview with Jenny and luckily things clicked and the rest is history. So I love it. Yeah. It's, it's especially your, your story is cool because, um, I think a lot of people calcify like their knowledge base and they just like, they do what they do and they get comfortable and that's kind of like you're stuck there. And so uh, making that jump, I mean, it had to be scary at some point, but how was the transition initially when you were kind of thinking about it to like talking with Jenny and saying yes? It was more the convincing that it took to just finally quit the profession. Architecture is very deadline-driven uh, profession. It's also a team. And I was leading teams and, you know, close with all the people that I worked with. And so you want them to be successful and you kind of like get the thrill of meeting the deadline and designing a cool building and seeing the built and all that stuff. But it's extremely exhausting. And looking back on it from the point of view that I have now, the incentives are very misaligned. It's very extractive. It's a total you know zero-sum game in terms of like the winners and the losers on that um so anyway there was periods where you're really happy and you know really satisfied and it's intellectually stimulating 
but then there's periods where it's just like you know you can't you can't do it anymore so anyway like it took a lot of convincing to finally walk away from it and you know take the first step into the unknown taking the job was that was a no-brainer it's like it was quitting the old job that that took that took years of convincing to do it so got it okay well uh yeah i think seeing you it's cool because i've only been here for six months but i feel like i've experienced so much already just because of how fast crypto moves but seeing how seeing how fast you jumped in and you really seem like you're a natural fit you're almost like a marketing team now on twitter and you're interacting on the (laughs) discord like will is everywhere so uh yeah from the outsider you've been a a crucial piece that's really helping the the interface between the grants program and the the public more broadly which has been cool to see but i'm curious what we somewhat know what the stacks foundation does to kind of support the blockchain what does an average day look like for you guys i I can start well first like on the question of what the the foundation does i think our purview is really broad and that's really awesome, but also sometimes it can be really confusing for a decentralized ecosystem, right? But I think the best way to sum up what we, what we do is that we enable people to build on stacks. And that can mean something very literal, right? We have the grants program, we have like the residence program, and we literally fund people to build things on stacks. But then you also have the work that the foundation does to make stacks more accessible to people around the world. But I think at the core of what we do is always just empowering people to be able to contribute. Not everyone's technical, right? But I think that we really operate on the belief that everyone can contribute something of value, create value and distribute that value in this ecosystem. That's the great thing about this technology. And I think we're constantly, you know, on top of just funding the builders that are in front of us. I think we're also trying to constantly find ways to surface n- new contributors, maybe people who didn't think that they could contribute to Stacks in meaningful ways before. What are programs and initiatives that we can come up with that educate those folks that build them up to um, a point where they're confident in contributing? There are a lot of calls <laughs> involved, but there's also a lot of strategy. There's also like a lot of tactical stuff, right? Will knows this now as the grants program manager, but it can be really exhausting because you're talking to people for hours every day, but you also get to talk to really brilliant people. You're working so closely with them to pull out that gold (laughs) um, in like, you know, a list of ideas. So someone can come to us and be like, I want to build this. I have this idea. I'm just not really sure how to approach it. And you get to have an hour long conversation about like, well, um, this is maybe a six month project, but maybe in the next month you can do this thing. And that's going to be incredibly valuable to, to developers. So I don't know if that really answers the question of like what a day looks like, but that's what a day feels like to me. It's like switching from program management to community relationship building to looking at partnership opportunities, just anything that will help community members build and contribute to Stacks is what the foundation is about. Okay. I have some follow-up questions, but first I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, how's it been for you? It's been great. It's simultaneously you're a team, but there's complete autonomy and like we all you know every member of the staff is first of all they're amazing they're awesome they're a lot of fun to work with and there's very uh little in terms of hierarchy and and there's zero kind of like sense of territorial like you know protectionism that comes along with a lot of work environments. And so you have people that are just naturally inclined to want to, you know, 
move in a certain direction. And it's kind of like everyone, you know, like vector math. So vectors are like described by their direction and their magnitude. And so like we all kind of like have our own direction that we're going and our own magnitude is based off of our passion. And then like the resultant vector is the direction that the whole ecosystem is going. And it's like the really fun thing is trying to empathize with what the community wants is always like a, a constant part of the conversations. It's kind of like, uh, what is it? The 12th man, you know, when you like see in a football game, they're not on the, they're not on the field necessarily or on the zoom call, but like, you know, they're always there in terms of like the influence that they're going to have that they would want for the good of the community is, you know, kind of always in the back of your mind. But yeah, I mean, there, there's people that are focused on growth, on education, on developer advocacy. You obviously have like amazing core developers, Jude, Jesse, Marvin, that you're working with, and Kenny now, Alejandro. And then, you know, you have Brittany and Mitchell, which are really sort of integral and in, in leadership and partnerships, and Louise and, and Jenny and Shannon and Caitlin are sort of running point with uh, a ton of different programs, comms and social outreach and events. And um, geez, I really hope I didn't leave anyone out. Um, but yeah, everyone just is a joy to work with. and It's been a lot of fun. Very cool. Um, first of all, thank you for saying, uh, you know, vector math and then describing <laughs> it because I for sure don't know what that means. Uh, but now I'm, I'm a little more big smile just like a mm -hmm. yeah yeah just just nod your head and agree but no you got to be the dumb one in the room ask the question but yeah. you, you followed yeah. it up with with the how and the what uh okay that's interesting you you did say um you know one of the beautiful things about it is that you guys are a team but there's also autonomy and yeah. i know trying to trying to community organize in some small fashion in the ways that i have it's that's the tricky thing with decentralization is that you know it's it's hierarchical lists so it's very flat and everyone has their own itch to scratch which you know curiosity is the best driver and fuel so let them go but then reining people in is very weird to do with with this like decentralization how do you guys balance that like I'm sure you have a mission statement or some directed goals, but how do you let people go, but then also rein them in or police each other in that sense as a foundation? That's an interesting question. Language is interesting too. I think, uh, well, first the the foundation's philosophy on all of this is really interesting. We, we figured this out pretty early on as a team. Um, when we finally found the language for it, I think it was like a big aha moment for everybody. But um, in terms of hierarchy, and this is like one of the first things I told Will is that, um, in order, not in order to work at the foundation, but everybody who works at the foundation isn't necessarily interested in that traditional management hierarchy. All of us are very much not interested in managing people. If anything, we're just interested in managing programs and initiatives. So uh, you mentioned, you know, Will mentioned uh, direction and, and magnitude and, and your passion being correlated to, to that magnitude. I think that's, that's what's really um fun and uh, what you're really grateful for in the beginning at the foundation is there are going to be so many things that you're good at 
But the thing that you're going to be able to contribute most to the community is the thing that you're passionate about. So, you know, Will and I have been really passionate about empowering people to build. So let's turn that, you know, we have a grants program, which is, you know, a standard grants program in a lot of ways. But because we know community members really well, we get to tweak the program in ways that we think will be helpful to the community. The residence program, for example, there are so many community OGs that like for years, I've just been like, how do we get you to work full time on this thing? This is so cool. We, you know, we've been talking about this idea for so long. How can we support you in a way where you can just go heads down and focus on this for a whole year? And then at the foundation, because there's so much autonomy and there's so much trust, you can just say like, does a residence program sound good? And everyone's like, yeah, what would that entail? It's a really high trust environment. And I think that's probably one of the key things about how we operate. I don't think that you could do that without trust. And it's funny to say that because, you know, in a decentralized ecosystem, it's a little bit about removing that factor of trust. But right now it's like a really critical element to decentralizing correctly. So with that model, I I would say that we're, it's important for us to experiment with that. You know, this idea that you're managing programs, initiatives, not people to take that to the community, right? It forces you to take your ego out of it. So when we're thinking about what the community wants, it's not like, oh, this is what I think the community wants, but like secretly it's what I I want for the community. It's literally being like in a year's time from now, I might not be here. How can I set this program up so that community members can run it for themselves and not just run it, but like pay themselves, be happy running it themselves. So it's lots of really interesting thought experiments. You really have to take your ego out of it. You're not managing people, you're managing programs. Yeah. Those are some key takeaways for me. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. It kind of sounds too like the ethos in tech is kind of like move fast and break things. And so there's a, there's a, uh, a comfortability with just experimentation and you guys are doing that at like the incentive and like the program level where it's like, here's an idea, throw it on the wall. We can try it. If it doesn't work, we can we can scrap it and move on. And because it's focused on the program and not the individual person selling it or doing it, uh, you know, there's no like reputational harm or like you guys are focused on the ultimate goal of, you know, expanding the ecosystem. Yeah, it's not like, um, you know, I'm like putting myself or my rep on the line. It's like the ideas that I have for these programs are truly inspired by needs that I'm seeing in the community. So it's like, it is very much, you know, not Jenny's idea. It's like, well, I saw that community members needed this. Maybe we can like throw a grant to that, or maybe we can put a program on that. It's a really interesting way to think. And I can't see myself ever working in a different structure. I think this is, yeah. I mean, when Will talks about, you know, his previous life in architecture, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) not exactly. Um, But yeah, I've, I've really, I personally really enjoyed the sort of paradigm switch. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, we're all kind of having this group epiphany where cryptography, smart contracts, tokenization of, of things, it's allowing us to begin to explore these trustless systems. And rather than having a manager holding you accountable, like having some type of like verifiable system or, you know, that you volunteer to be a part of not you are required to be a part of and you are rewarded for that and so i guess all that being said is like we get to support amazing people that are building amazing things but we also get our own little grant because like designing these things and 
tinkering with the way the foundation works is our own little thought experiment. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun because it it's a new industry. It's a new like typology for a nonprofit supporting that industry. We're also encouraging people to build things and nothing set in stone. So everything is everything is new. Everything, you know, is up for debate. Um, and you you want to you want to provide like just enough guidance so that you don't prescribe for the way that things need to happen, but you also don't like allow for chaos. And so, you know, I always go back to like this idea of like building a trellis and then not putting the vines up and like planting the vines, but like just allowing, you know, nature to run its course. And so just by building that trellis and like being this very simple, you know, grid structure that you then allow something that's way more beautiful and, and organic, you could never anticipate what's going to happen there. So. Okay. Add something because you asked about how we rein people in. <laughs> yeah. Please, please. That's probably the harder part of the question to answer. I think the answer is that is, is like, how can you when everybody is your colleague, right? And there's no hierarchy and you work so closely with community members. It's, it's, yeah. So I, I do think it gets tricky because, um, sometimes you do need to prioritize, right? It, it, it you, you can't just, you can't just throw ideas at the wall and build whatever you want, but I think it helps that everyone in the community is generally aligned on, on the mission. Um, and th that's super helpful, right? Cause I can, I can go back and forth with community members about, um, you know, uh, the timeline for their milestones or their roadmap. And someone, someone might think like, no, it's better to well, actually, we do this with the grants program all the time. So someone might want to build like a whole application first. And um, we'll have these conversations where we'll say like, that's a great idea, but there are so many risks involved in that, right? Like what if the app um, isn't something that community members want to use right away? Or like, what if you run into some technical issues? So through a lot of conversation, the question that we often ask is what is a version of this that you can build that's going to be immediately helpful to people or is going to deliver the most value to Stacks community members? So that's often the easiest way to sort of rein people in when like you have tons of ideas is just thinking in terms of like what is actually going to be beneficial to, to builders, what's going to be beneficial to contributors. So I find that that is a great way to do it without having to micromanage or, you know, tap into that hierarchical structure because at the end of the day i think people want to be aligned on what they're building they want to be helpful to each other i love that yeah i think it sounds like you don't bring people in by like coercion or force it's by reassessing that you're aiming at the same direction so you ask a clarifying question and then make sure that uh does this goal serve us in the best way possible if not you know let's keep molding the clay and, and shaping it and then maybe it looks slightly different but it still gets that same end goal I like that a lot. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, well, we've touched on programs in many different ways, grants program, residence program, advocates, all kinds of things. And there's some new things coming down the pipeline. Maybe give us a brief overview of like, what's the lay of the land of the programs that the foundation currently offers? So I can give an overview, but I feel like Will has a lot to say about all the exciting stuff that's coming down the line for the grants program. Um, but yeah, so in general, we've got we've got a few. I think the, the most well-known one is the grants program. I think 
people generally know how that one works. We launched the, the residence program, almost like a beta version of it in the fall of last year. So we've got a ton of residents right now who are working heads down on a few cool projects. Actually, you'll hear from them on a public community call on February 4th, shameless plug. So if you're if you're curious, you can tune into that. We've got the chapters program, which is a lot of you know, supports global community growth. So we've got chapters in different regions like Pakistan, India, um, Korea, China, all over. We're talking to, to new regions as well, Indonesia, Australia, Stack Southwest US. Um, so that, that program is exciting because it really, I think that one really acknowledges the power of decentralization. When we started that program, we were really like, you know, we have a lot of experience building community, but community is going to be different everywhere. How can we support people to build their own version of stacks in a way that's going to support their community in a way that is tailored to their community? So with the chapters program, I think you can expect to see a few new chapters signing on. And what's going to be interesting there is that there's going to be a real focus on sustainability for chapters. So a lot of the chapters are exploring ways to basically become financially sustainable on their own. So some chapters have experimented with NFT campaigns. Um, we've talked to a lot of chapters about having their own stacking pools or like partnering with community pools like Freaker Pool and, and um, sort of uh, referring community members to those different community pools. And uh, with some of the chapters we're talking about using like the city coins model as a way to fund themselves as separate entities. So I think we're going to see a lot of really cool experimentation with business models from the chapters program. And from the advocates program, that program has been incubating for a little while now. Jake, I know that you're part of it, but that one I'm really excited about because there's such a sophisticated algorithm and team that is running the program. I think it's I honestly feel like it's not just the first in in stacks. It's kind of the first in the space where you have a really positive culture of people reporting their contributions and acknowledging others' contributions. And based on that community collaboration, you get something like a reputation score that I probably, there's a there's probably a better way to explain it. But based on that, you are paid out from, um, you, you're paid out rewards from a stacking pool. And that's a way to, to share in value creation. Um, I know that that is going to launch more officially and welcome more advocates in the next couple of months. So yeah, you can expect um, a ton of new ways to get involved, whether it's you know building communities on a global scale, whether it's just contributing on a day-to-day basis through advocates, whether you want to build something, you've got the grants program, or if you want to focus on a longer-term project or research, you've got the residence program. Very cool. Yeah, I know the advocates program was one of the first things I uh, interacted with and it the reason I liked it is because it felt um it's almost like the grassroots like first level entry point where it's, it's pretty easy to get into and then you just kind of contribute whatever way you can and uh yeah like you said there's this there's this reputation score which they call source cred and it tracks uh you know you post what we call a data thing and when you post that thing then you get points and it tracks it how many you posted per week and also how long you've been doing it. So it's like a history component too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when I look at the programs, it seems like they're almost layered to ascend in either trust or, or contribution where like the advocates program is very like anyone can join. If you're, if you're a lover of stacks, you know, come in and write an article, do whatever. And then grants is one step up. And then the residence is almost one step up above that. Mm-hmm. Was that intentional or did it kind of organically go that way? I think it was a little organic, but I do think that there's a lot of intention in acknowledging that 
anything that you contribute is valuable, right? I think that this is this has been kind of a challenge across crypto is how you how you distribute value to people based on on what they are doing. And lots of people do labor that's not recognized, right? Like just being on Discord and answering questions, that takes a ton of your time and people will do that for free. And I'm not saying that, you know, you should expect to get some sort of compensation for everything. You know, it's I'm not saying that it should be transactional, but I'm saying that it's important to foster a culture where people feel valued for the work that they do. And I think that's what I really loved about advocates is that with that algorithm, you can actually apply like a DK. So if you're someone who was like really active for six months and you contributed something super impactful, people are going to feel the impact of your work much longer than six months, right? So that algorithm can make it so that you're getting paid something like royalties for the work that you do, even if you decide to like pull out of the community for a little bit. So I I love that. And I think that that was really foundational to the way that I think about the other programs, right? Again, it's like, it's not just transactional. It's really recognizing the holistic value that people bring to to stacks and just want to make people feel appreciated and recognized for what they do. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And like you said, it's the, the like commenting in the discord or the telegram is one of those things where like, you know, the hero team or the stacks team is only so big and you guys are, you got 10 different things they're doing, but if you, if you have someone who's answered that question before, they can hop in, answer it, set them on the right path and then, get a small amount of cred for that thing that they're doing, which is fantastic. Uh, Will, okay, I'm curious, what what's coming down the pipeline? I've seen, you, you've sent me some pre-release documents. It's insane. What, what are you guys working on? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess there will be a series of blog posts that come out, but uh, to kind of follow up with all this, so there's really like three different, flavors of change that we've been working on. So we did a, a really thorough competitive analysis of other grant programs in the space and, and just did some you know reflection. I think we had issued close to like 250 grants when we really started reevaluating like how we're going to move forward. So we had a, a nice body of work to look back on and reflect on. And um, so I guess the three flavors of change are like change in process, change in mechanics, and change in structure. So just top level change in process, you know, to build off of what Jenny was saying and what you uh, picked up on in terms of giving people opportunities to like scale into where, you know, the support mechanism meets them where they need to be. So there's going to be four levels of grants. There's going to be a level one, level two, level three, level four. There'll be more recognizable names coming out with them but each level is going to have like a monetary target that we're trying to hit uh, a target audience that we want to direct it at and different approval requirements that come along with it and perks so uh, a level one will be for instance like up to five thousand dollars a level two will be up to twenty five thousand dollars a level three will be up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars and a level four will be up to five hundred thousand dollars now you're only going to be eligible to apply for the two bigger ones, the three and four, if you've gone through the process of a one or a two. And so the idea is that we want to really increase the throughput of grants. So we always want to be good stewards of the of the Stacks Foundation treasury, but we also want to be in a position where we're more inclined to support than to not support. So it's, it's a delicate balance that you need to strike. 
And as we grow as a community, the number of grants applications that come in are going to start to exponentially increase. The scope and the, the breadth of those applications are going to increase with them. The needs of the community are going to grow beyond like what the three of us on this call could be aware of. And so we really want to make it even more transparent and more opaque and more community led. And so there's going to be an addition of a new role within the, the process and some changes to the process. And that new role is going to be an ambassador, like a grants ambassador. And so there will be uh, a call for applications going out soon where we want to onboard as many ambassadors as we can, hoping somewhere between six and 12, like really committed, really talented individuals. We want to hit the full complement of what the community needs. So we want technical, we want design, and we want community. So you don't need to like be a developer to be an ambassador. You don't need to be a designer to be an ambassador. You don't need to be uh, a community lead to be an ambassador. We want all of them because we want those ambassadors. They're going to serve as like part mentor, part project manager, and part consultant within the grants ecosystem. And so all of the reviews of the level ones and level twos, those will be up to myself, Jenny, and a couple of other advisors and the ambassadors. So that's going to allow us to not have to uh, convene a large review committee that you know is busy with their own contributions to what they're doing with Stacks. And it's going to allow us to be a little bit more intimately involved with those people. And we're also going to have all of these meetings be open on Discord. So everyone is going to be able to hear the conversation. They're going to be able to hear what the expectations are for applications. It's going to be, you know, hopefully a big value add in, in terms of like people being able to, you know, trend in the right direction in terms of what the application should be. And also like you, you hear about this menu of options that, are available to you for you know support and one of the biggest challenges is just jenny and i working together to make sure that we put the right person on the right path and and make sure that it, it works for them also so i think that by having all this open for people to be able to listen in on is going to be helpful so these will be very flexible positions like i said we want the best of the best there, it's going to be a very competitive rate of payment. These ambassadors are also going to be eligible to take out or apply for a level one grant every month. So that's an additional $5,000 that they will be able to be eligible for. We want them to use those grants to say, hey, I see this team over there or this team over there, and they're deficient on this skill set that I can bring to it. So I'm going to jump onto that grant and I'm going to be like this you know, sort of consultant that's going to help them move forward and round out their team for a week or two. Or I'm going to look inward at all these cool things that we're talking about at the foundation and be like, hey, like you could make this process run much more smoothly with, you know, a smart contract or, you know, with a platform, something like that. So those are, those are the changes in process. Then the changes in, in mechanics we're building our own platform. So we're going to be going away from uh, GitHub. You know, we have this great body of grants that we're looking at. And I came in and I wanted to evaluate them. And GitHub's kind of, it's very, it's uh, great for a lot of things in terms of transparency and 
and the low barrier of entry for developers, but it's also like kind of a high barrier of entry for people that are more community minded and more design minded. And it's also like, when you look at these issues, it's really hard to find, you know, to make sense from an administrative point of view, what it is that you're looking for, and also from someone doing research. And so we took all those grants and spent a long time like coming up with a taxonomy of how to like organize these grants. So this dashboard is going to be totally open to everyone. Anyone that's interested in a grant, researching a grant, applying for a grant, been accepted for a grant, is going to be seeing the same exact stuff that Jenny and I look at, that the finance people look at. So we're all going to have access to the same thing. It's it's been designed with that in mind. It's going to require a lot of power users giving us feedback, which the ambassadors will also help with finishing out. And then I want to give a shout out to Jonathan from Pixelate. He's one of the residents. He's been working with us. He's been awesome on the on the design and build out of the so and Andrew that Jonathan works with. So that's the second one, the, the changes in mechanics and then changes in structure, I think is one of the most exciting ones. And it's one of these that's kind of like chicken or egg, like how do we proceed forward with it? Because um, we're sensing that the grants program, you know, there's a lot of benefit from it beginning to be materialized into a DAO. We don't want to make that decision. We don't want to like decree that, you know, this will be a DAO that needs to be a community led decision. So I think one of the most exciting things these ambassadors will be working on is being core members of a DAO working group. They will be learning by doing, and then they will be evaluating by doing, and they will be evaluating, okay, all these processes, um, this dashboard that's been built, doesn't make sense to turn this into a DAO. How can all these processes be made that much easier, that much better, if they were codified as smart contracts, how can we crowdsource the review of this even more if it was through a DAO? How can we align incentives even more if it was a DAO? And so going through the thought experiment of first determining, is this the right thing to do? And then if they decide that it is, really shredding out and coming up with the governance processes, the, the mechanisms and, you know, beginning to pull it all together. So working with people like Marvin, working with Stacker DAOs, trying to pull together the best of the best in terms of like DAO OS, what uh, Drew is doing and that team and the other group with the residency. So we have a lot of different people working on DAOs in a lot of different ways. And we hope to, uh, you know, put this in, you know, we want everyone to learn from, from each other's efforts. And so hope, you know, this will, another opportunity to make that happen so please apply <laughs> yeah i know i love that like you guys are really at the bleeding edge of trying to figure out this like especially the word dow like it's a buzzword nowadays but yeah. I, I remember asking uh, drew and mark what what is a dow what is a dow and like there was three completely different answers like sometimes it's the governance aspect and there should be some kind of token involved so you can vote but it's I don't think we know what that means at all. And I think it's going to come very organically by what you're saying. Like there's a, there's a decentralized kind of like trustless smart contract aspect where you're removing people as much as you can. 
so that the, it's kind of like run in the cloud in a sense. But what that looks like in practice and how does it work by like incentivizing people in a proper way and not being abused, uh, we have no idea. So I don't see a better use of a DAO than what you guys are building with ambassadors and funding grant programs. And if we can make that work, it's super interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Actually, when um, my first call with Will, I think that's what like, that's what we vibes about. Because <laughs> we've been talking about how like the foundation is set up in, in a way that, you know, it could potentially become more like DAO. I'm not going to go and say like, it could, be, it could become one. That's a really big decision to make. But I think a lot of the programs that we have are are set up in a way that, you know, it would be tempting to maybe move them toward this structure. So when I mentioned that to Will, I know he got really excited about it. And I, <laughs> I was like, I, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so happy that I've talked to a candidate who doesn't think this is crazy, who is sort of um, already diagramming it <laughs> the way that I've been diagramming it. Um, but, you know, but now that we're here, I think that, it, and now that there is so much discussion about DAOs, we're very, aware of the fact that we have to be thoughtful about a decision like this. It's just like what you mentioned, Jake, like um, with a DAO, do you need a token? Do you need, need a governance token? It's so tempting to sort of do what everyone else is doing. But then, like you said, you can set it up in a way where people abuse it, right? And anytime you have a token, anytime you have a secondary market for a token, you have to ask yourself whether you're comfortable with people buying their way into this doubt, right? People who aren't ambassadors being able to, maybe they can use a token to buy entry into the DAO. They have no experience looking at community projects. They have no sort of concern about, you know, funding public infrastructure for stacks. So in that way, you're like, well, we shouldn't have a token and you can go back and forth. So I think that through through experimenting with the structure that that Will has really thoughtfully set up with ambassadors, we're going to basically share this burden with community and it'll be like a big working group of figuring out like, okay, um, the first stage is moving toward um, a phase where the community does feel comfortable taking on a lot of grant decisions themselves, right? Like imagine a world in which you go and there's just a directory of new grant applications and everyone who's part of like the grant committee can just go in, have like a really easy to use interface where they're clicking through, giving their comments. And then, you know, all that is showing up and you can get, uh, you know, a measurable, you can get like a sentiment from the community. And then based on that, people um, are comfortable saying, yes, I'm, I'm comfortable funding this. And that can happen on a daily basis to the point where you're funding, you know, hundreds of applications a month. And you can trust that the decisions about what to fund are actually coming from the community. Like that's where we want to get first. And I think that's what matters to us the most. The DAO structure is, is secondary to that. There are going to be a lot of kinks that we need to work out. But should that work out, then like, absolutely, <laughs> you know, it's it's time to turn this program into a DAO. So I, I'm mostly really ex like excited about figuring out the, just the, the community and social aspect of it. You know, can we motivate people to want to go in and review grants every day? Are people going to feel like it's in their best interest to go and review grants every day? So it's going to be an experiment with incentive alignment too. Yeah. I, I love it because like everything about Stacks is like, we don't need to be first, like jumping into a DAO would be very cool, but you want to do it right. Like it's very deliberate. And so, mm -hmm. you know, even like the levels, like I can see like maybe you, maybe the DAO does the level ones first because the, the potential for harm is low. And then as mm -hmm. the system is proven over time, you can go to level two and level three, and then eventually maybe the whole thing can be run by the ambassadors or something. Uh, yeah, that's very cool. 
well, I want to start to close this down. And I like to do an aspirational question towards the end, kind of leave on like a crazy over the top high note. So I'm imagining Stacks is like where Solana is now. They've swapped. Solana's whatever, 52 now. We don't care about them. And Stacks is number seven or whatever it is. And there's just a ton of people coming to Stacks and everyone wants to build here. And so you have almost too much interest. What does a home run look like for the foundation in two, three years time if Stacks is in that position? Whoever wants to take it. And you can riff. And again, this is like, not saying it's going to happen. It's aspirational, but uh, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I can. I'm, it's definitely going to be half-baked and, and I'm going to riff on this, but um, I did a deep dive on a bunch of governance stuff a couple months ago. And um, I came to this idea about what a successful community looks like. And it really, you know, you hear decentralization all the time, but sometimes you just have to sort of research again and remind yourself what that means. And so for me, I think like success for the foundation and success for Stacks would be people being able to flow between different sub-communities, right? So like Stacks is your overarching chain. You join Stacks for, you know, maybe technical reasons, or maybe you're, you're aligned with the mission, but you're comfortable as an individual pursuing your personal interest within various small groups, right? And actually by then, I, I would hope that Stacks has like cracked a lot of decentralized identity stuff. I'm very confident about it, especially with some of the, the projects that we have on the chain right now. But um, okay, so I, I can speak for myself, like as like a as like a citizen of Stacks, that's maybe not a good word to use, but like as a citizen of Stacks, I would, you could see on like Discord or or something, different badges I have. So you can see which sub-communities I'm a part of. I might be part of like the governance lab. I might be part of the advocates program. I might be a grants ambassador. And so I've got these different um, identity markers that show which causes I'm um, I'm involved with. And, you know, based on the causes I'm involved with, based on the experiences I've had, I'm able to participate in um, larger decision-making bodies, right? So you might have... You might have these smaller working groups, maybe at most max, they're like 150 people. And then beyond that, you have like steering committees and based on, you know, the expertise you have and the experience you have, you might sit on a couple steering committees and those are the committees you, you work with to make certain decisions. Like I see my future with stacks. I see myself being like very involved in governance. Like I would hope that, you know, one of the committees or decision-making bodies I'd be a part of where my voice would be heard you know, has to do with governance, whereas some people don't care as much about that and they should be totally welcome to pursue whatever other interests they have. So I'm seeing this like, it's almost like being in different clubs <laughs> at school, um, but it's a lot higher stakes because you've got tokens and money involved and you're on like decision-making committees. But that's kind of the dream future I see for Stacks. It's like very personalized to me, but I want people to feel comfortable sort of going in and out of different groups and participating. And you kind of have that now, right? Like you have different groups, people work together and it's very organic, but I would love to have a structure for that, like an interface for that, where you go and you see the different little DAOs you're a part of, and then you go and see the different decisions that your steering committees have made. So yeah, that's like, I don't know how many years that's, how many years out we are from that. We could be like nine months from that. Who knows? That's, that's, no, that's very cool. I know um, Bology has the 1729 site, which is like a paid newsletter. And I've heard him talk about one of his ideas was this, um, proof of contribution where if you did if you did a thing in the newsletter you got like a, a badge 
And his thinking was, you know, there's so much knowledge in parts of the world that isn't seen. Like it's just in rural areas and maybe they have internet access, but that's all they have. And so you don't, and they're brilliant and they can do the things or they can at least learn to do the things. And so over time by doing small tasks and then elevating up slowly, you um, establish a track record of like, yeah, I can do this thing. And then you become seen on this kind of like more global meritocratic stage. And it's something like that where like, and you can have a hundred different subcategories with reputation or a history of, you know, contribution that can then be solidified into your decentralized identity. That's cool. Yeah, it it is a bit like that. And I think um, I find that idea really interesting. I do think that there's a risk of people sort of feeling like they have to start from the very beginning, right? This idea that you have to build your way up. Um, I think the reality is that your contributions and the value that you contribute to the ecosystem, it's going to be relative to different groups, right? Like I said, you know, some people might not want to be involved in governance. They might want to be involved in like completely different interests and that's fine. Maybe those folks don't have as much weight in like, in terms of how they're evaluating, you know, my work because it doesn't really impact them as much. So I guess what I'm thinking about is um, a system that is truly peer to peer you know, like with the advocates program you have, and it's, you know, it's not perfect. We're still working it out, but the fact that you can have people shout you out for the work that you do, because sometimes you might not even recognize your own contribution. So the fact that there's a culture of people saying like, Hey, Jake was super helpful on this thing. I don't know why he didn't report it, but he, that should go in his history or that should go in his reputation because in future, I would, I would want to refer other people to Jake for podcasts, for interviews, for, you know, video editing. It's impossible to capture all the value that people create for this community, but I would want us to get close. And I think the first step is recognizing that like, not everybody has the same reference point for what's valuable. And like, you need to sort of build that into the system to be Mm -hmm. as fair or as like just as possible. Love it. That's a great goal to strive for. What about you, Will? Um, Still trying to figure out today, but um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I suppose just riffing off of what Jenny said, I mean, I think that taking that world and then allowing it'll be interesting when all of the on chain experiments that Jenny was talking about start to catch up with mobile and Internet of Things and the overlay that all of these governance and organizational experiments that are happening online begin to show themselves in the physical world. That might be the architect in me, but just seeing like how that can begin to recast the physical world and in hopefully positive ways. I think that there's a really interesting working model that I, I shared on Twitter earlier today of people, you know, sort of wanting to liken your blockchain to a city. And that's something that I think is really important and uh, fun to work towards as we, as we all contribute to Stacks is like right now, Stacks is this sort of like the quintessential small town America, like an intersection with, you know, like a few things emanating out from the intersection. And it's going to be fun to just see like all of the points, nodes, edges, districts, and landmarks that come together to turn that into like a really vibrant city. Um, so those are two different architectural metaphors I'm using. Like one is like actually occurring in the physical world. It'll be fun to see how that 
plays out. And two is, um, you know, like Jenny was saying, like being able to, you know, navigate your your way through a world and find places that are defined and find places that you want to spend your time and really contribute. But how is all of that stitched together in part of like our little stack city? And then how does that city begin to connect to other cities? Um, it should be a really fun uh, next <laughs> next couple of years. Yeah. No, I, I love that, especially because as more and more things go online, you know, these platforms, at least the Web2 ones, are meant for us to like consume on them. Mm-hmm. And so the, the whole ethos of a user on the internet kind of flips that entirely. And so how many things start to move in a more positive light or empowering light when some of these kind of like inroads are laid from small town stacks to, you know, big city, whatever it is. And uh, how do we all kind of act differently and our lives are better off for it. So yeah, I like that a lot. Well, this has been fantastic. I think just a last parting message, anything that we didn't cover or any closing thoughts that you want to give to the four people listening to this podcast? Um, no, I just thank you for your time and thank you for covering the Stacks community. Uh, I love your content and you've been a lot of fun to work with and I hope that we continue to be able to do this. I do think that getting you know what you do is really really important and something that we didn't really touch on too much with the changes to the grants program that's coming up but grantees are going to be required to create some type of content that can be shared a tutorial a solution we're going to have this online knowledge base where people are able to you know go there and do research whether it be a smart contract template or uh, a click by click video or a blog post we want people to um, sort of memorialize something that comes out of their grant so that everyone can uh, benefit from it. But also, like what you're talking about, and I've shared that diagram with you of the flywheel, like those little bits of shareable content information that help someone learn something are, is also what onboards more people into stacks to create that next wave of shareable content. And so, I think that it's, it's, you know, you're going to be, I think, a vital uh, part of the ecosystem moving forward. You already are, but um, just having more great content to share and um, an awareness about all, all of these people building all these fantastic things, all seemingly with like really pure intentions. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. 100%. This is, we're, this is a blessed, I'm blessed to be part of this community. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Jenny, do you have any closing thoughts? I'm going to echo Will and say thank you. It's been so fun to work with you. And I think I'm sure it's, it's a lot more than four listeners. <laughs> That's why I'm really <laughs> excited to talk about the grant uh, on this podcast because I know we can reach um, even more awesome community members with it. As far as party messages, I have so many different things going through my head. I can't really choose. I, th- I think this conversation was really fun because we got to talk a lot about the the social and like social coordination impact of what we're trying to do. Obviously, there's a lot of technical building that happens, and that's very key and critical to to keeping um, an ecosystem like this running. But I would kind of encourage people to start working groups, think about some of these other issues around like you know how do we better distribute value 
to each other? How do we recognize work that isn't seen? How can we utilize things like proof of transfer to encourage people, communities that are underserved to, you know, launch their own token and fund themselves? You can, I mean, that's such an interesting use case for proof of transfer. Do you know people (laughs) who are interested in doing that kind of work? What are the implications of stacking? It's really cool. This mechanism that doesn't really exist elsewhere that generates Bitcoin for people. We're in the process of partnering with this organization called Open Grants to allocate our our stacking yield, which we've done for Bitcoin core development. We're going to be doing it for women in Afghanistan in the next uh, couple months. And, you know, that's a really creative use case. Uh, I I just, I'm basically, I want to encourage community members to be even more um, creative about the the social benefits and like the real world that stacks can have. We're very, you know, heads down building in our own community, but I think that there's so much potential for what stacks can do for other communities outside of of ours. I love that. Yeah, I think we got a taste of that with city coins where like the civic engagement thing was like I did not want to do anything with my city, but like I vote and then if I get jury duty, I'm like, oh here we go, like three days of wasted time. But now it's like we're we're rethinking the entire idea of what does a connected city look like and how can we get involved and how does the outside help the inside and that kind of thing. And that's just the first look like cities are like a broad uh, category, but you can go into the community level or like an idea can go that like you you can niche down all kinds of different ways using proof of transfer or small working groups. So I I like that a lot. Um, Yeah, I don't want to say anything else, though. I think you guys ended it beautifully. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. I'm trying out a different outro for these. What do you guys think of that video? There's some exciting stuff coming. If you want to learn more about what we talked about, hit the show notes if you're in podcast form. Hit the description if you're on YouTube. And do me a favor. Uh, We're trying to get the word out on Stacks, and this podcast is one vehicle to do that. And if we can bloat this podcast even bigger, maybe we can spread that message a little better. So someone told me, hey, you should shout out at the end of your podcast – uh, have a call to action, tell people they need to subscribe, like, share this stuff. So that's what I'm doing. Mainly, if you can leave me a review on any of the podcast platforms, but Apple Podcasts seems to be the king dog. So if you can leave me a review, fantastic, or subscribe on YouTube would do wonders more than you know. So yeah, with that said, I love y'all. Uh, Go apply for a grant, and I'll see y'all in the next video. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting now, I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out, cause I don't think about it.